This is episode 131 of the Prepper Website Podcast. Today's articles are Breathing at the SHTF, Prepping to Not Have Asthma, Eight Reasons Why People Refuse to Prep, and Prepper Home Defense, 10 Ways to Create an Impenetrable Home Security After an EMP. Hey, I'm Todd Sepulveda, the editor of PrepperWebsite.com. This podcast is an audible version with some commentary of articles that have been posted on Prepper Website, a daily curation of preparedness information. These articles are some of the best of the best that have been recently posted on PrepperWebsite.com. All article links and show information can be found on the PrepperWebsitePodcast.com. Hey, let's go ahead and just jump right in and get started. Our first article comes to us from Beans, Bullets, Bandages, and U.com. That's a mouthful there, but it's easy to remember. Beans, Bullets, Bandages, and U.com. The, uh, the title is Breathing if the SHTF, Prepping to Not Have Asthma. There's a lot to consider when, you're, uh, when, you know, when the poop has hit the fan, and this definitely would be one of those. So let's go ahead and uh, get into this. I think there's something for uh, a lot of people to learn here. One of the readers of one of my previous posts on asthma asked if there was a way to keep kids from getting asthma in the first place. Really much nicer than having to manage it. Is there a surefire way? No. Are there some things one can do to reduce the chance of asthma developing? Yes. Are there things one can do to reduce one's own tendency to have asthma attacks after the disease has developed? Also yes. And they're the same things that make its development less likely in the first place. Though I'm not a physician and these are therefore not to be taken as medical recommendations, I've been keeping up on the research on this topic for years now as a professional interest and have collected some ideas to share. The most common variety of asthma is allergic asthma. Allergies happen when the immune system attacks a foreign substance it really should get rid of, but does it with so much vigor and violence it ends up doing far more harm than the foreign thing itself ever would have. It's like seeing a mosquito land on a baby's head and smacking the mosquito with a hammer. Reducing allergies means reining in the runaway immune system so it still does its job of defending against real threats without getting so carried away. Here are some trends. Children in developing countries have many health problems, but allergies and asthma are not among them. Rates of these disorders are very low everywhere where parasitic infection is high. Children raised in rural households that raise stock animals have less asthma than children in urban households that include furry pets and these children in turn have less asthma than children in urban households with no pets. As child rearing has gotten much more fanatically anti-germ in the last 30 years, asthma rates have increased, have increased apace. The same cells that are most responsible for defending against some kinds of foreign microbes and worms are the same cells that get carried away in allergies. Immune systems don't just do what they were programmed to do, they adjust to the threats they face. It appears that when the real threats become very rare, the lymphocytes don't get enough practice regulating their own behavior and develop a tendency to get overenthusiastic. My condens- condensation of all of this Clean is good to a point. Dangerous microbe exposure such as from contact with sick people or people's body fluids or or feces is as absolutely best minimized. Encountering a varied selection of other sources of microbes 
that are less likely to be harmful, exposure to the outside world and healthy animals is actually beneficial. It helps train the immune system to regulate its own behavior to much actual threat levels. Cortisol is a hormone we release to help us deal with stress. One of its effects is to modulate the immune system. Too much cortisol is a negative for many reasons, with a suppressed immune system and inability to fight off infection among them. However, small but regular doses of cortisol do a wonderful job of both promoting appropriate immune responses by getting the defensive cells out wandering around where they'll do the most good and calming inappropriately strong immune responses like allergy. The takeaway here is simple. Bodies are meant to move and be used. Get them moving regularly and they work better. Anything that gets the heart rate up and breaks a sweat will do it. Gosh, my mom was smart. She told us this so often and it was so right. We got exposure to plenty of low threat microbes that turned our immune systems nicely. Or I'm sorry, that tuned our immune systems nicely. And we got those nice small and regular doses of cortisol and had lots of fun and learned things to do. Look behind when walking in the woods so you know the way out and not to do. Don't play William Tell with your little sister as the son holding the apple on her head. You're not that good a shot. And kept mom sane despite many children. Relax. All of us kids together had fewer emergency room visits than many kids with asthma have a single year. The, the t subtitle there was Go Play Outside, so I didn't, I didn't read that one there. But that's what all that was about right there, was going outside and uh, spending time outside so you can get a, little bit, get a little bit dirty. It's not too late. Asthma can, often, asthma can and often does go away as the immune system improves its self-regulation. The methods for encouraging this are the same as for preventing its development in its first place. In fact, people who have the exercise-induced form of asthma, but exercise anyway, they often need to use inhalers to make this safe, at least at first, often find their asthma fades away as they continue with a regular exercise program. I myself got a spot of an asthma-related problem when cancer treatment was irritating my lungs and my doc assured me continuing exercise as much as I was able was a good strategy. So... Um, something, something to consider there, you know, um, we deal with allergies down here a lot, but when, you know, down here, at least in Houston, and uh, I'm sure a lot of you do as well. In fact, when I first started the podcast, um, I, I had stuff, stuffy nose and runny nose and I uh, could barely breathe a lot of those times back then. And, uh, you know, I, I remember always kind of making apologies for that. Uh, because it just I just felt myself not being able to breathe very well, but I had this uh, the desire to go ahead and start the podcast and get moving on that. But you know we go from environment from like a you know indoor environment with central air and heat uh, here at least here in Houston, right, where uh, that's always working and filtering the air and all that kind of stuff. And then you walk outside to get into your car with more AC to go into a workplace with more AC. And then, you know, if that's what your life is like and there's no outside time, yeah, you can, you can kind of see that. Uh, and you see why uh, there's some parents out there. I, I remember growing up, uh, the lady across the street, we kind of we looked at her as kind of a, a hippie kind of person, right? Because her kids were always barefoot. 
but she always came from a point where it was it was healthier, where the kids got a little dirty, and uh, it was they would just be a little bit healthier. And so uh, I don't remember, uh, you know, if they were healthy or not. Uh, we moved away, you know, uh, before we, uh, you know, before the kids got older, and we really got to to know them very very well. But uh, you know, I, a lot of people would uh, would swear on that advice, you know, to get out there. Uh, get dirty, play in the mud, play in the dirt. Uh, it's not going to kill you. Uh, yeah, we do live this uh, this anti-germ environment. Uh, it's pretty it's pretty bad. Uh, one of the um, and just thinking about anti-germ and stuff. I know school is ramping up for a lot of people, uh, and I guess my mind is just jumping there. Um, a while back, uh, we went through a, a situation where everybody had to get like fingerprinted again for whatever reason in the district. It was a big ordeal, and uh, some of the teachers that had been teaching for a long, long time that had the younger grade levels, uh, and they used that anti-germ or germex and all that kind of stuff. Um, their fingerprints were very hard to. Um, well, I mean, they didn't. They didn't have like regular fingerprints, uh, and the police officers were like, or, or the people that were taking the uh, the fingerprints. We're like, yeah, it's it's that Germex that you're using because that eventually that wears down on your you know on your fingerprints, and uh, I mean we're talking about years and years and years of using this stuff and years and years and years of using wipes and wiping down uh, you know uh, tables and different things like that. So uh, you know very uh, very you know important stuff to kind of consider you know. Uh, if the poop hit the fan, you know, we would be outside a whole lot more dealing with uh, a lot of the outside. Uh, things wouldn't be as hygienic. And, uh, you know, maybe we would get rid of uh, a lot of our allergies and a lot of the, the things that cause us uh, that grief. Um, so uh, something to consider. And then definitely, you know, go do some more research uh, there as well. All right. Our next article comes to us from preparednessadvice.com. And uh, it's the title is Eight Reasons Why People Refuse to Prep. Um, you know, this is one of those articles that uh, might help you uh, if you're new to preparedness. I know a lot of people are coming to the to the podcast. Uh, you might be uh, fairly new to preparedness, uh, or you might have uh, you might hear some of these if you're someone who's trying to impress upon other people the need to prep. And so this might be helpful for you. Let's get started. I'm always fascinated to hear the many reasons why people don't prep. In our neighborhood, my wife learned from a friend that a mutual acquaintance was planning on coming over to our house in the case of a dire emergency. My wife has met this woman exactly once. So why doesn't she prep herself? Apparently, she's just too busy. Too busy to look out for her own family, but not too busy to make the calculated decision that she, her strong young husband, and their three kids will drive a few blocks to our house and basically steal from us. So, what other reasons do people have for not prepping? Well, in no particular order, here's what I came up with. Sheer stupidity. Yep, in a world filled with vapid video games, celebrity worship, and a shallow understanding of how anything works, Anything at all, there are people who have simply never considered doing something today to prepare for tomorrow. They're the same ones who couldn't handle a $500 emergency and have to run to the store hours before a hurricane hits to buy milk, bread, and eggs. We know them as French toast people. 
Their IQs are probably adequate for getting through the mild ups and downs of life, but when thrown a curveball of any magnitude, their choice is to sit back and wait to be taken care of. Next one is denial. It can't happen to me. It never happened here. We've all heard that their sad refrains and can only pity the people who believe them. If all emergencies came with a one-month warning, there wouldn't be emergencies, would they? No matter your income, education, status, or title, sooner or later bad things will happen to you. But, for now, it's easier to remain in denial than actually think about those scary scenarios and prepare for them. Next one is fear. We know from basic human psychology that when the human brain is confronted with something terrifying, it sends one of three signals to the body. Freeze, flee, or fight. For Americans who have never had to deal with much out of the ordinary, thinking about a nuclear war and an economic collapse or a geography-changing earthquake causes them to often freeze. Acknowledging potential and possible scenarios like these is too difficult and they remain frozen in their inaction. People in this category would do well to read Gavin De Becker's bestseller, The Gift of Fear, and understand that very often fear makes us do some pretty smart things, and that includes prepping. Peer pressure. Now here's a weird one, but I've seen it in my wife's family. Back in the days of Doomsday Preppers, I heard some of them make fun of the preppers depicted in the show, and then laugh at a couple of relatives who had thought of prepping themselves. Those folks back down as in, well, I guess it's kind of silly, huh, when facing ridicule. Hard to imagine that mature adults with kids, mortgages, jobs, and other responsibilities would back down, but they did. Procrastination. I've heard it said that Tiatwaki has a date. You just don't know what it is yet. That dire medical diagnosis, news of a loved one's death, the loss of a job, a Category 5 hurricane, the storm of the century, they will all happen at some point. We just don't have the ability to peer into the future to know exactly what will happen and when. So, most people procrastinate. They're busy, money is short, the spouse isn't on board, or maybe they just aren't all that worried. But for whatever reason, they don't prep because they'd rather put it off for another month, another year. Normalcy bias. Normalcy bias differs a bit from denial because denial is a conscious choice. Normalcy bias is a little trick our brains play on us. It's a survival mechanism that causes us to believe that everything will be okay. The survival mom writes about witnessing a tragic traffic accident and, to her eyes, seeing a scarecrow fly through the air. In fact, that scarecrow was a human being who had been jettisoned from the car's window, but her brain insisted it's a scarecrow. Humans don't fly, silly. Our brains for survival and normalcy bias is one way it prepares us for the most traumatic life event. So for those who insist that really, really bad things will never happen may just be suffering from normalcy bias. A sense of superiority. If you're above average intelligence, wealth, and overall superiority natural places you, naturally places you in a lofty position high above the riffraff, then you probably also scoff at the idea of stocking up on cans of beans. After all, you know best and those dumb coughs on doomsday preppers are just a bunch of redneck hillbillies. What could they possibly know that you don't, right? I know people with this attitude and maybe you do too. It seems to be a combination of arrogance and denial. A dangerous blending of two potentially lethal beliefs. 
you quickly learn to not even try to reason with these people. After all, if you had their bank balance and degree from a fancy university, you too would realize your own invincibility. You poor sap. Life's overwhelming burdens. I don't have much patience with people in the previous category, but this one, well, I've been there. Burdened down with a stressful job, behind in paying taxes, rowdy and loud kids, a wife always behind in household chores while trying to keep a smile on her face. Sometimes life just seems to keep you under its heavy boot and the last thing you need to hear is, hey, you'd better start prepping for the end of the world, man. Where, where will the money come from? Where will I get the time when I'm already working 50 hours a week plus some weekends? On top of everything else, the last thing I need to start worrying about, an economic collapse, a civil war, nuclear bombs going off, I just want to take a nap and maybe escape for a while in front of the TV. I understand and I sympathize. I really do. In the past nine years, my wife and I have gone through some of these mindsets or excuses, depending on your point of view. A lot of preppers do, but since we understand the need to be ready for when the yes really hits the fan, we eventually get back on our prepper feet and keep going, a little at a time. With others, though, I don't nag or even talk anymore about prepping. I don't want my friends to start avoiding me, and in the case of co-workers and family members, I need to maintain a positive relationship with them. They know where to find me if, when, they change their mindset about being prepared. Have I covered all the reasons people avoid prepping, or have I missed one? There's five responses there in the comment section. What I, what I have found is that when you have a relationship with people and they get to know you for who you are and um, they, get to, they, they get to understand what type of person you are, then you can come from, you can use that as a strength to be able to bounce off of preparedness. Um, you know, I, I openly, when I was on the campus, I openly talked about preparedness. All the teachers knew that I, you know, that I was a prepper. I didn't hold anything back. Um, even when things were going on, things were in you know, China, the economy, blah, 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 I would bring those up. There were teachers who did not want to hear that. Um, they outright said, I don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear that. There was other teachers. I got other people thinking about you know, how much food. Like We would start talking and they would listen. And I would just come out and like, hey, you know, if, if you couldn't go to the store, how long could you feed your family with what you have in your pantry? You know, What could you do? And, you know, there's some people like, Todd, you're right. I, I would have one meal or maybe two meals, you know. Uh, others were like, you know, Todd, I, I have enough that I could scrape, scrape by for a couple of weeks, you know. Uh, I'm really good at, at cooking from scratch. and I have a lot of, uh, you know, the, the basics and so I can, I can cook things up. And, and so, you know, you would hear those kinds of things. Um, you, you would hear people who talk about, well, I've got camping supplies and I've got, you know, those kinds of things. And, and all that kind of stuff would come up. But it came from the ability that, that um, or from the understanding, because I had a relationship with them. And uh, that really, really helped out. There was, again, there were some people who thought I was a kook, uh, who, you know, didn't really, didn't really care. Uh, but then there was other times where they would come to me, some of the same people would uh, their husbands would see something on television uh, that would spark something, maybe even when Doomsday Preppers was on or whatever. And uh, so uh, the teacher would mention, hey, yeah, my, my assistant principal, you know, is a prepper. He even has a website or whatever. And they'd go search it out. And then 
the husband would wind up saying, you know what, you know, this kind of makes some sense, or yeah, they are kooks, or whatever, and then that would spawn other conversations as well. I think one of the things that helped um, helped my helped my family. Uh, I, I still remember the the time when this was all starting for me, and um, my wife at first thought it was a big fad, you know. So he was like, "Hey, it's one of those fads Todd's going through. Uh, you know, it'll it'll end pretty soon." And uh, but it kept going. And at one point, uh, she you know she said, "Hey, you're, aren't you becoming a little fanatical?" I remember I was in the living room. I was walking to the bedroom. She said, aren't you becoming a little fanatical about this? And then, you know, we've been married for a while. And I said, okay, think back now. How do you know, do, can you ever point to any time in my life that I have been fanatical about anything other than faith, other than my faith in, in Jesus Christ? Is there any time, anything else that I have ever been fanatical about? Or do you believe I believe this? And that kind of got her thinking. And so it was, uh, you know, that that kind kind of got her, you know, to okay, maybe maybe there is. That's right. Todd Todd isn't that kind of fanatical kind of person that jumps from one thing to the next. Um, so any so that kind of you know helped a little bit. And then the other thing that really really helped out is uh, one summer, we were both off. We were watching. Uh, we watched uh, the show, and I, I've talked about it before here after Armageddon. And uh, it was a Discovery Channel. I believe it was a Discovery Channel. You can go to YouTube. I've linked to it before in uh, in some of the show notes of uh, some of the episodes, podcasts. But uh, you can just go to YouTube and, and search for it and you'll find it. But it's called After Armageddon. And it's a Discovery Channel, uh, you know, docudrama. And, uh, you know, there's a, a couple of guys. And they're, you know, popular guys. I can't even remember all of them. I think Chris Martinson is in, in one of those. Uh, and some of the other guys that are on there that are, you know, economists and stuff. And uh, they're talking about, you know, what a collapse would look like. And, and then at the same time, they're following a family. You know, they break away from that. And they're following a family uh, after a pandemic. And uh, so, you know, and it goes through all of these things and, and, and how they had to progress and, and how uh, society broke down and, and, you know, how things got crazy. And that kind of got her thinking, and that's when she finally said, "Okay, hey, um, you know, maybe we should look at water, you know, because water was one of the things in that in that uh, um, in that docudrama in After Armageddon that they were talking about uh, that you needed to make sure that you had." And she goes, "Okay, maybe we should, uh, you know, buy a, a big 55-gallon drum to have some uh, to water, you know, and and so that we can store water." And, uh, you know, so it kind of went from there. And then I got my kids really on board. I mean, we always kind of did the, the, the cool knives and all that kind of stuff was all right. But uh, I really got them kind of thinking when we, uh, what, gosh, what was it? National Geographic came out with American Blackout. And I had done a review for National Geographic and posted on the website. But I told them all that they were going to uh, they were going to watch this. So it was going to be a family show. We're going to sit down and watch it. I don't care if you you know cry and whine and all that kind of stuff. So everyone sat around and and watched it and uh, it, it it grabbed their attention because you know people were it, it was breakdown and stuff and so they were paying attention to it. Uh, my son was uh, uh, following on Twitter. My oldest son was following on Twitter. He's like, wow, there's a lot of people. I mean, this Twitter. Uh, the hashtag American Blackout or whatever it was, you know, was uh, just bouncing. It was just going uh, because there's a lot of people uh, on there and, and commenting and stuff. And so that really helped out as well. If you can get someone to read a book, 
that will probably that would really push them over the edge. But if someone is interested in like fiction and stuff, and they're like, "Hey, what's a good book?" You know, "Hey, uh, maybe you should read like Lights Out, right?" Or or uh, One Second After. Um, that will really open up someone's eyes. Maybe start out with something, you know, like a Last Babylon or something like that. Uh, just a little bit easier to take. But um, or some some of Mark Goodwin's books, uh, you know, if if they're coming from like a religious standpoint. Uh, that would be really good to start off with, but uh, that would always be helpful as well. And then always just bringing up. I'm going really long on this one. Uh, the articles are short, so that's um, I feel comfortable going a little bit longer on this. Uh, and hopefully, maybe this will help someone. Uh, but it's always helpful in talking about, uh, for instance, in my new position. Uh, I'm not comfortable yet with. I mean, I've been there for a while, but I'm not comfortable yet talking about preparedness. Uh, people, I mean, if they Googled me, they would find my websites. They would find it very, very easy. But I'm not, I'm not comfortable yet just outright talking about it. But we had uh, a while back, a couple of weeks back, we were, maybe it's been a couple of months now, we were predicted to have a pretty bad storm uh, come our way. And so they were saying, yeah, the, the, uh, about a, a little over a year ago, we had a, a bad storm that flooded our area and the school district. I mean, some of our school district uh, facilities got flooded out and, and stuff like that. So uh, it's, that's kind of really fresh on everybody's mind because we were out of school for about three or four days, um, actually longer than that, I think, I, I think a whole week because there was so much water in the area and and people couldn't get couldn't get through so anyway uh this storm was supposed to be a slow moving and dump a lot of rain and so uh in talking with some of the people in the office i was like hey you know this there's that storm that's coming and and uh it might be dumping a lot of uh it might be dumping a lot of rain you might not be able to make it out to the store you know make sure you have some supplies make sure you have some flashlights and stuff like that and so, yeah, some of my coworkers are like, you know what, that's a great idea, Todd. I, you know, we're, we are going to go. And so, uh, you know, they, they let me know that they went out and they, they got some fresh batteries for their flashlight and they got some water for their, for their, uh, you know, some extra water bottles and things like that. And that's a start, right? That's a start of getting people to think about those kinds of things. Uh, if a hurricane, you know, winds up in the Gulf and it looks like it's coming, uh, Houston, you know, Galveston and Houston, I'm going to be talking about hurricanes and say, hey, guys, you know, uh, make sure you know, we got something in the Gulf and it looks like it might be coming this way. You might want to go stock up on supplies before it really, uh, before they really say it's coming our way and then the store shelves are empty because we have experienced that before here in, uh, you know, in Houston where we've had uh, stores, you know, get wiped out really, really quickly. Uh, with you know millions of people here in the Houston area, and that that doesn't you know last. Uh, the, what's on the gro- grocery store shelves doesn't last very long, and so being able to say something like, "Hey," and giving them these things, make sure you stock up on some food and and some water. Make sure you have some flashlights. Maybe you have some candles. Maybe you, you need to go fill up on your uh, fill up your gas your gas tank in your car and maybe you can tell your husband to buy an uh, an inverter where you can connect it to your car battery and you could run your refrigerator maybe for an hour if you lose if you lose um 
if you lose power, you can run your freezer or you can run your refrigerator for an hour or two. That way you don't lose everything. And so people, you know, can you imagine people would, would appreciate that information, I would think, and hopefully would go make some preparations and start thinking that way. And uh, so, and, and from there, maybe, maybe conversations can be had at their, you know, uh, my, my, a lot of preppers are, have the, hey, I'm going to stay silent. I'm not going to talk about preparedness. And you don't really have to do it to blow your, you know, your OPSEC, right? You don't have to let everyone know that you have food stored up and all that kind of stuff. But you can just talk from an intelligent point of view. It's like, hey, it just kind of makes sense to prepare, right? It just kind of makes sense to to do these kinds of things. And uh, who knows where they might lead, but they might get people to start thinking a little bit more, at, at least if not about preparedness in, in, in total for the economic collapse, blah, 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 EMP, nuclear war, whatever, at least for hurricanes and power outages and, you know, floods and different things like that, you can get kind of people thinking that way and, uh, and uh, you know, hopefully help some people out. So eight reasons why people refuse to prep over at preparednessadvice.com. Go check that out. Um, there's some links in the article that you'll want to check out. Next article comes to us. Well, let me. Okay, so the next article is, comes to us from ReadyNutrition.com. The title is "Prepper Home Defense: Ten Ways to Create an Impenetrable Home Security After an EMP." All right, I'm not really. What I want to talk about more is home security, and not so much the EMP aspect of it, because I think that as if we are in a slow spiral down, and uh, you know, recently I wrote an article or put an article together about Venezuela. And if you haven't, uh, you, you didn't get a chance to see that over at PrepperWebsite.com. I mean, it was, it's heart-wrenching, some of the things that are going on over there. And I think I've talked about it. I can't remember now. I'll link to it in the show notes. I uh, have it over at Ed That Matters. But um, th there's, you know, so many, so many things that are, uh, that, you know, the, the signs in Venezuela was like, it was this slow thing that was going on and, and, and at one point it was okay feminine hygiene products weren't there and then uh, diapers weren't there and then toilet paper wasn't there and then all of a sudden it's like you know there's bands of motorcycle gangs are, are, are attacking uh, a truck just to get some sugar off of it right and uh, should not be happening because Venezuela is a modern day country um, it's a tropical climate uh, they, it shouldn't it shouldn't be there but anyway um, so I think that if we are in that slow economic decline where the middle class is shrinking, uh, the rich are getting richer, the poor are getting poorer, um, I think that we're going to see an increase in crime. And to be honest with you, in my part of town, we have seen that. People will say, oh, well, you know, it's just the Internet and uh, it's, it's Facebook and you can, you know, people can report on it so much faster nowadays. Uh, I think that's hogwash. I think that in in our part of uh, in our part of uh, town, uh, we have seen an increase in crime, and uh, you know it is it is happening. And I think as uh, people begin to feel the economic crunch, that they're going, we're going to see more and more crime happen. So that's one reason why I believe that it's important to uh, invest a little bit of money in your house and make sure that it is secure whatever that means for you. So that's really when I'm, when I'm reading this, yeah, we can get the EMP aspect of it, but I'm also 
wanting you to think about home security in your home and what you can do to make it just a little bit more secure. So let's go ahead and read this one. Ready Nutrition readers, I just wrote an article dealing or detailing the importance of having a closed security system for your home. The reason for this was to maintain your privacy and not have all your home viewed by law enforcement via CCTV cameras. I also touched on the fact that any given moment you may lose such capabilities with an EMP or electromagnetic pulse weapon, a war, a power loss, or all of the above combined. If you have been watching the news between your summer activities, you may be aware that North Korea just successfully tested an ICBM uh, or intercontinental ballistic missile successfully. Damage control in the media and government are now reluctantly admitting that North Korea can hit Alaska, but of course, happy consumer taxpayers won't have to worry about an EMP or a nuke reaching the inviolate U.S. US. After all, some dogmas survive even the people who parrot them, don't they? Just be aware of that. What about security then? Well, there are a few Uncle Caveman measures that I wish to share with you that can help in this regard. And uh, just to go up there, I think it's been uh, mentioned now that uh, North Korea's missile could even hit uh, you know, further in uh, the United States, not just Alaska, uh, if you want to believe the hype and, and if it's not just propaganda. All right, going moving forward. First, I am sure many of you wish to see photos and diagrams of exactly how this kind of thing is done. I'm sorry, but I don't do that kind of thing regarding my own property. I don't merely preach OPSEC, I live it. No offense intended. Here are some options for you to consider for in placing an early warning system on your property and to help protect it during a low-tech scenario. 10 ways to create an impenetrable home security after an EMP. The tin can alley with tripwire. Aluminum cans more accurately. You want to pick up aluminum cans that are dark colored such as brown root beer cans or dark green Sprite cans, whatever your beverage of preference. This is so that no light is reflected off of them. Poke a few holes in the bottom to allow for drainage of water, then throw in about a half dozen ball bearings. Stones can become wet and stick together. Ball bearings, no. Still string these cans up everywhere to the entrance to your house out on the property and so forth. Run trip wire or nylon or coated steel at a fixed point and have the cans either suspended on the horizontal line or propped on a ledge where the trip wire will cause them to fall. You can use nails for this kind of thing and small eye screws. These are excellent for changing direction on your trip wires and allowing for tension to still be maintained. Number two is trips to deadfall shelf with no noisemaker. This means to use the tripwire so when Mr. Bad Guy comes creeping along, he hits it and it causes a large, medium-sized, noisy object to fall when its support is taken out. Good examples are big metal number 10 or coffee cans filled with bolts, nuts, and one of two smaller cans. Metal is great for this kind of noisemaker. Number three is obstacles. Make it difficult for them. A nice camouflage pit in the direction of travel with all kinds of noisemakers such as scrap metal dug to about three, inch, three feet deep will work wonders. It will make noise and most likely hurt them badly. Also, show your smarts by placing trip wires to the sides of the obstacles. If, if Mr. Goon sees the trap, it'll fix his attention so that his, he trips off of a noisemaking trip wire. Number four, ball bearing mat. 
This is one of my favorites. Take a strip of plastic about three feet wide by six feet long and place it near the front door mat. The key is to make the plastic be the same color as the front porch as close as possible. Then spread out the bearings. When they approach the door, they'll have a great surprise. Number five, trip wires and noisemakers all over the front porch. If your front porch doesn't have a gate that closes, then get one or build it. Make it difficult for Mr. Creep to approach your residence. We're talking a grid-down scenario. Your friendly neighbor isn't friendly anymore, especially wearing a ski mask or nylon stocking in July, stocking outside at midnight. Number six, a small-scale battery-powered contact sensor. The kind that makes noise when you separate them. Cheap and easy to set up on windows and areas of access. The EMP will probably not have much of an effect on them since their circuitry is more primitive. Number seven, door braces and window locks. An ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. Make sure your entrance are locked and braced for an intruder. Number eight, capability to switch floodlights to a battery box. This will really make them S their pants when the S hits the fan and they come calling. They will take a little bit of, this will take a little bit of doing, but there are plug panels that can connect to a car battery that you can power a floodlight on. Imagine how happy Mr. Creepy will feel when your night vision devices, the ones you bought doubles of and stuck in a Faraday cage as JJ asked you to, work, and then you see him and hit the flood on. Finally, there he is. Watch your lanes and enjoy your, and empty your mags. Sorry. Number, sign, number nine, preposition all points of engagement with firearms. That's right. When Mr. Boogeyman is creeping around, everyone in the family needs an assigned place to be able to give him the, give him the lead when the time is right. Number ten, active patrols. What? Did you think you were all going to sleep the entire night? Think again. One of the family needs to actively patrol for an amount during the nighttime divisible by the family members able to patrol. Eight hours of darkness with four family members able to pull the patrol. Each has a two-hour shift, plain and simple. If it's mom and dad and the two kids, well, guess what? Four hours for mom and four hours for dad. It's not negotiable. There must be a secure element in a fixed location to watch the whole house and or actively patrolling on foot. These are the arrangements to follow when the camera, sensors, and robot bodyguard break down due to the EMP. Always rely on low-tech to begin with, and the punchline is this. These measures should be in place already, even if you have an existing alarm system. Also, be sure that every family member living in the home knows where all the obstacles are. Some you will have to forego until the time comes, and there's never an end to nosy, friendly, chatty pain in the backside neighbors staring, sniffing, and treading on your property. All right, so a couple of comments there, about five comments. Um, let's see, I wanted to touch on a couple of these here. I, I think, uh, the tin can, I think that's just a no brainer, right? Uh, if, if, uh, an EMP was to happen, I think that would be good to, uh, definitely to have, uh, and already have those set up. Um, but that doesn't mean that you can't have them already maybe set up in your backyard somewhere. Now, if, uh, you have a lot of cats in the neighborhood and, and dogs and stuff like that, um, yeah, they're going to set those off, but, uh, that might be something that you might just kind of want to store in, and maybe have ready. Um, if, uh, something like that, if, if the, the poop was to hit the fan, um, I like the, um, the door braces and the window locks. 
Uh, you can you can get window locks off of Amazon very very cheaply. You can go to Home Depot and Lowe's and get those cheaply and go ahead and put those on your windows. Um, it, it just it just makes sense to go ahead and do that and uh, to protect your home. It just gives you an added uh, an added benefit there because if someone breaks the window and just you know pops that latch. Um, you know, it's not going to open and, and they're going to have to get through all that, the, the broken glass and stuff like that. And they're going to have to try to figure out why the window is not opening and spend more time probably than they, than they really want to on uh, trying to figure all that out. Uh, door braces, I think, uh, are very helpful. You want to definitely secure your door. Uh, you know, you, you hear all the things about the, uh, you know, your deadbolt lock and make sure that you have, uh, uh, screws, you know, really long screws that go into the frame uh, or go beyond just the frame, right? That can uh, can hit some wood and be a little bit more secure there. Um, I like the ideas of the floodlights. You should have those automatic sensors now that that automatically come on. Uh, I think those are very very helpful uh, and uh, those you know they're easy to install and you can put those in place right now. So I think those are our are, are big benefit now. And if you can do what uh, JJ is talking about here and uh, rig up uh, a battery light to it uh, when things uh, hit the hit the fan, then uh, you know that would be a benefit too. Now, for instance, in my neighborhood, um, he's talking more along the lines of like a homestead or retreat. In my neighborhood, if it was an EMP and all the lights were out, but my light was working in the middle of the night because it was a sensor, uh, you know, there's always cats and people walking by and stuff like that. Um, I might not want that, right? So I might not want that uh, ability to do that. So uh, you got to kind of think about that. Like the idea of pre-positioning firearms, um, just to where it's, they're readily available and you know where they are and everyone understands gun safety and firearm safety and all that kind of stuff. But, uh, you know, that might be something that's really, really important. Um, active patrols, man, I, I hate to think about that, but that's one reason why, uh, you know, just a family of four, you want to make sure that, that it's, you know, you have more people in your group. I mean, the more that you can draw from. Um, if you think about it, if you really are in a poop hits the fan scenario, you're going to be doing so much. You're going to be working so hard during the day. You're going to be so exhausted. You're going to need to sleep. And uh, if you're having to pull, you know, you're only getting four hours of sleep a night, um, that's going to be very, very hard on you. And eventually it's going to catch up on you. And uh, so that's one reason why you need to have a bigger group than just you and you, know, you by yourself or you and someone else. Uh, you know, you and your 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 family afford. I do want to say that right now, um, I love those uh, those those uh, videos that people are on the on the front uh, you know front porch and they're trying to like take things and they're trying to break into things. I mean, one of those uh, it was like their next door neighbor, and uh, so this woman is watching them on video and it's their neighbor and they're doing all this stuff. And uh, she finally calls the neighbor out, like, hey, I can't remember the girl's name, but hey, is that you? What are you doing? And uh, they freak out and they run, right? But uh, you have these cameras now that make it so easy. Now, uh, I know that the JJ refers to a security system that's closed. In order to do that, you have to be on the Internet and have an IP address and all those kinds of things. Um, but, uh, you know, there's so much things that you can do now. And uh, a lot of those are set to... Uh, automatically record you can get a uh, 
you know, a, a nice little mini or micro SD card in there. And with, with motion, they start recording or start taking pictures. And uh, a lot of the times, uh, you see those pictures up on Facebook, like in community forums and stuff, in community groups, and say, hey, uh, you know, uh, that's actually that's happened out here where, where I live, where people will post a picture and say, hey, this, uh, this dirt bag broke into, you know, our truck last night, and here's a picture of him, you know, and it shows his face and, and everything, right? Uh, and so does anyone know who this is? Does anyone know who, uh, uh, you know, is this anyone's kid or, or whatever? And so it's plain as day. It's, it's, it's pretty awesome to be able to have that capability. And it's really not hard to, uh, to put those in place. The ones that you buy that you see on the commercials, I like seeing the commercials, but when I looked into that, having the ability to record and all that kind of stuff, you have to pay a service charge. So you're paying, uh, you know, you're paying like uh, some kind of uh, uh, company to to do all that for you and to house it all for you and and uh, I think a lot a lot of these things you can do on your own and save a whole ton of money uh, when you're doing that so I do think it's a good good idea to have a home alarm system if you can afford that you can put that in place uh, if you can do it and have it monitored and that kind of stuff and, and you're willing to do that um, you know that's good uh, if you you know want to do a do-it-yourself kind of system and put that in place, I think that's good as well. Uh, I, I think right now, if you can do that, um, that will help. I think you know adding layers to your house uh, and and for your home security, I think that's very very important. So uh, there you go. Go check this one out over at uh, readynutrition.com. There's some uh, links there. Like I said, there's about five comments there that you can go go check out, and people will. Uh, uh, talk about that one uh, or at least they're they're referring to some of the things that were written there all right well hey thanks so much for being a part of uh the tuesday podcast appreciate everyone listening if you get a chance come share out our episode and uh, i love to, to get some feedback from you and uh, uh always love hearing from listeners you can hit me up on facebook twitter and instagram or uh, like i said leave a comment in one of the uh episodes uh, love to hear from you with that, choose to live a more self-reliant life. Choose not to be so dependent on the government grid or the grind. Until tomorrow, stay prepped and aware. Peace.